Hey there, it's Mike Tramp, and you're listening to White Lion Fever, where rock and roll is still alive like it always has been and it always will be. Welcome to episode 48 of White Lion Fever. Now, uh, we're a bit like an injured player who, uh, who takes years to bring up his 200 when he should have... Uh, Topped it after about uh, topped it five years ago because uh, we haven't. Is, is, this, is this the Michael Wayman of podcasts? <laughs> <laughs> it's the Michael Wayman of podcasts. We've got to forty-eight uh, uh, podcasts in the time that could we could have got to about two hundred. But anyway, we got here. Um, here to the Erskineville. I'm here with Nick Tedeschi. Good evening, Nick. Thanks for coming. Uh, good evening, Stephen. A pleasure as always. Okay, now um, structure-wise, I kind of think well because the podcasts have become so infrequent. It's probably not smart to tie the program to games. But we'll just as a base, we'll talk about last Friday because there's a couple of players. Um, um, Daniel Mortimer is going to be on uh, a little bit uh, later. And Jamie Dowling, who uh, you might think is an obscure player, but um, the first um, fellow to play first grade whose grandfather I saw play. Oh, wow. That's, uh, <laughs> that's really getting on of it, isn't it? Uh... It's, it's disturbing. It's very disturbing. <laughs> But the Morrises are still going around, and it was their dad. Anyway, anyway. Um, well, tell, tell us a bit about, uh, about John Dowling and his days at St George. He's workmanlike, very good at dummy half. And I heard a story about him, actually, the other night. Now, this is unconfirmed if uh, anyone's listening from the Dowling family. But there's an anecdote that um, his wife used to scream out the scrum count at half time. So if, <laughs> if, if he was being beaten as he walked into the tunnel, his wife would shout, You're being beaten 7-6 in the scrums! <laughs> And no wonder the no wonder their grandson's playing rugby league. It's a great rugby league tradition in the Dowling family. <laughs> it is okay. Now, um, the game I was at on Friday was twenty six eight Melbourne over uh, 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 South Sydney at Amy Park. And the big talk we're not going to talk about the tactics or or the, or the penalties or anything. But there's one sort of in, enduring issue out of that, this game: the squirrel grip by Sam Burgess. Did you find this amusing, or were you disgusted, or both? Ah, uh, no, I wasn't disgusted, and uh, I, I guess I found it a little amusing. But I, I was more amused, I guess, by the, uh, the 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 telegraph's reaction later that that the squirrel group was an indication that the ban on fighting is not working. I'm not entirely sure how they reached the logical conclusion of that, but uh, that this is uh, why fighting uh, shouldn't be banned. But look, it was, a, it was an unsavoury incident. It wasn't nearly in the class of a hopawado or whatever, but you know. Uh, the bunnies are probably missing for the next couple of weeks, Sam. I think the squirrel grip, or it used to be known as a Christmas hole, goes back as almost as far as punching in rugby league. It was probably, it, it, it's a, I don't know if we bring back fighting, it, the squirrel grip will necessarily disappear. Look, I don't know, but if we go back to uh, you know, Frank Bumper Farrells, I'm not sure if he uh, if he bit uh, Doug McRitchie's ear because he couldn't throw a punch or whatever. <laughs> so it's, uh, I'm not entirely sure it's justification. But the, the thing that upset me the most, I guess, was uh, with Luke Burgess back. We had a chance to see all four Burgess boys, four brothers play together for the first time since the, the Normans and Annandale in the, in the 1910s, and we missed the opportunity for the next couple of weeks, so hopefully we'll come through. Okay, and uh, the other game, uh, will, as a lead-in to more pressing issues in rugby league, was West Tigers were beaten by, uh, uh, by Parramatta. I, before we came on, I rehearsed the score multiple times. <laughs> Now I can't quite remember it. It was about four or six points in it. 26-22, uh, Parramatta <laughs> snuck home on the bell with a try to Vitauti, I think. You were listening now. Everyone's talking about West Tigers and just about them being a basket case. Uh, why, if, um, if, he, if the coach, Michael Potter, is definitely going to stay next year, why do they have to wait for, like, days and then to come out and say it after days? Why not just say it straight off? 
What's the story? Look, they're an absolute fast case. I had a pretty good theory last night, and I'm not entirely... You know, I haven't really thought this one through, and I, I don't know whether I can donate it or not, but that perhaps the West Tigers are such a, a basket case, and that maybe Western Suburbs, who have got all the money at the club, are pulling a manly with the Northern Eagles and, and, and just seeing whether... Yeah, letting them all you know, go to hell and then seeing if uh, yeah, the magpies come back. So, long... Uh, yeah, a big question mark on that, but, yeah. The club, the club's in a worse, a worse state of affairs than Parramatta. That is really saying something at the moment. Well, Manly, uh, unlike uh, Western Suburbs, well, unlike Manly, Western Suburbs were actually kicked out of the comp for being broke in the early 80s. So if they were to actually do that and um, and outlast you know, half the teams that were in the comp at that time, it would be fair effort. It would be, be an amazing effort. But uh, to, to me, the question mark's going to be asked. The question's going to be asked. What, why did Benji Marshall was Benji Marshall selected last week? Why has he been selected this week? After his jersey fiasco the day after the loss to Parramatta, after he's clearly... He, I'm, I'm, take away the fact that he's going to rugby union. Take away all the stuff that you know, makes us leagues you know, angry at what's going on. He's not playing like a first grade. Like, he should not be playing first grade. And trying out Luke Brooks, or one of the young... I know they have some salary cap issues, but... At least put the put the, the, the documentation in to see if you can play Luke Brooks, give him a go. Parramatta were in the perfect game to try him out and get him and Siren and get him a couple of games together this year. I, it's unbelievable. So the thing about um, people wearing another jersey and doing that announcement, um, I think you've really got to follow the well, with with us with the league and union and that sort of thing. But generally, if it's a, t- a bloke leaving a team you don't care about to join another team you don't care about, it's hard to get. I think it's hard to get your head around the um, anger. And it's illogical, really. As, as I said in Seinfeld, in professional sports, you're just cheering for clothes. But um, it, it's only when it happens to your team that you, you realise you take it as a deep insult. Well, look, I don't know. I don't know if that's the case in this situation. Perhaps, like with Luke Lewis wearing the or Craig Wing, sorry, wearing the the, the, the Rabbitohs jersey for the Roosters, or the other way around, maybe. But for this, it was more than that. It was not only my my team, which the Tigers aren't, but my code. And yeah, to do that to, to, to rugby league, the long-standing differences with rugby union, like it just it, to me it shows a selfish player and he's played selfish all year and no consideration of the game it has really made him rich and famous. I find it hard to do it. Tell us what you really think. We need to stop <laughs> sitting on the fence. Okay, um, you said earlier we we're talking to a fellow, a nice fellow here called uh, Tim Lintz, who's just left. He said, no one listens to new music anymore. Um, but we're forced to Danny Throat on this program. Um, so here's the first song. It's by a band called Last Bullet. I don't know where they're from. I assume North America somewhere. But it's a great song. It's called uh, Forget the Rest. And um, after this, we'll be talking to Lucy DeSoto, uh, who was, uh, among other things, um, uh, worked with Peter Wells, the late Peter Wells, for a lot of years. Um, so our first, she's our musical guest this week. And then we'll be back with more Rugby League.
We're Urge Overkill. You're listening to White, White Line, Line Fever. Okay, welcome back to the program. And we've got a very special guest, the first of a three-part interview with uh, Lucy DeSoto, uh, very, very uh, famous part of the Sydney music scene, rock and blues. And um, it's got a new project called Bitsa. We're sitting here in the North Annandale Hotel. Uh, what's Bitsa? Um, Bitsa's a, a, a put-together band uh, to pay homage to um, classic Oz rock. Right. And who's in Bitsa? Uh, uh, Steve Edmonds is mm. playing guitar. Uh, Mick O'Shea plays drums. Steve King is on bass. Um, Steve Mulry is one of the singers. Um, Mick Arnold's playing a bit of slide guitar. And I'm the keyboard player and I sing a couple of songs too. So there's three singers, Steve Edmonds, me, Steve Mulry. And it was put together, it's kind of the brainchild of a guy called Roger Franken, who's a Oz Rock music fan. Mm-hmm. And he just contacted me kind of, I don't know, out of the blue and said he wanted to do this recording project and would I be interested in... Um, did I have the time to put a band together with Steve Edmonds? Mm. So I said, yeah, and I got in touch with Steve, and it kind of all kind of literally fell into place. Yeah. So he's a fan, and he just recruited the band, and 
what, tell us about the recording project. What's, what's, what's happening there? Okay, well, he sent me, he emailed me a list of his favourite songs mm. and he said, will you pick, you know, a set mm-hmm. from this list? And then we sort of designated a couple of songs to each of the singers and he paid for us to rehearse and paid for us to go into Damien Gerard's and record. In the end, we we went from... It was quite a big project in the beginning, and I think it, it turned out to be, you know, hugely expensive. <laughs> so we ended up recording six tracks. It's mm. called Ozrock Six Pack. Mm. And, um, yeah, he then bankrolled a kind of showcase gig at the Bullface Stag and we're selling CDs and um, yeah, we made a a, a film clip Mm. uh, based on one of the tracks by Ian Ryland called 401 Mm. and that's pretty cool Yeah, it is, it's awesome, so um, how long is this project, how long are you going to be involved in it, as long as it lasts? (laughs) Yeah, how long is a piece of string Yeah, it's um something that we all enjoyed doing um, and we get to pick like from this repertoire of fantastic music mm-hmm. so and that's a pleasure to sort of get your head around and, and play and then um, we're doing another showcase on the 7th of October which is the Monday of the October long weekend at the Baldface Stag and it'll be another Monday after the grand final yeah, and it'll be an <laughs> afternoon gig. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so people aren't going to be sort of kept out late. So we'll probably kick off there about three o'clock in the afternoon. And so if you're having a mad Monday, the day after the grand final, come along. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Ten bucks on the door, CDs available for sale, and the best rock and roll you'll hear in Sydney. And what about the Handsome Devils? What's happened there? Uh, Handsome Devils is um, another kind of interesting lineup that came together because um, Brad Johnson at the Broadface Stag said to me he wanted someone to come in there on Sundays and fill the afternoon kind of between the cricket season and the football season (laughs) and so I asked around and a lot of people it was kind of short notice and a lot of people weren't available and I happened to be sitting in the bar and Steve King walked in and I said, oh, Kingy, you know, do you want to do this? And he said, yeah, yeah, why not? Let's ring Snaggy. So he rang Pete Massey and he came in and Dean Bakota played drums with us for a while, the guy from Nancy Vandals, drummer from Nancy Vandals. And then he went overseas and Mick O'Shea stepped in and... Uh, and McArnold plays slide guitar in that as well. And basically we're playing a whole kind of repertoire of songs that Peter Wells and I wrote together. And Pete sang a lot of them um, in the Pete Wells band. Mm. So we've revived them and, and I'm singing them now. Okay, I warned you. Three songs, starting with this one. Any, any song ever, maybe one that you play in the band. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, this is a great opportunity for people to hear um, one that I wrote recently with Mick Arnold called Down by the River.
This is Jizzy Pearl here, hanging with Steve, and you're listening to White Line Fever. So the early game on Saturday, the Sydney Roosters 28, Canberra 22. Uh, they gave you fright, Daniel Mortimer. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was pretty tough. We knew from last time when they got us down there that it was going to be tough, and um, you know they're, they're very hard to tackle those big boys. So um, you know we got a lot to work on. Um, you know we did get the win, which we've got to be happy about. But you know we're uh, going into a few tough games, so we just need to do our homework and, and improve on that. 
the coach didn't seem too happy when he spoke to us. What about when he spoke to you? Yeah, no, nah, yeah, the same. <laughs> he, uh, he came off pretty disappointed in us, actually. We, you know, we leaked too many points. And just yeah, our, our defence and in, in our ruck control was pretty poor tonight. So, you know, we were very lucky to get away with a win, some, um, you know, some brilliant plays in attack. But, um, yeah, our defence, um, which we've prided ourselves on this year, was, was definitely off tonight. Boyd Corden has hurt his ankle. Uh, he'll be a big loss, won't he? Yeah, well, yeah, we're not too sure what happens to Boyd yet. He's off getting scans, but... You know, fingers crossed it's not too bad because he's, uh, he's a great player for us and he'll be very missed if we uh, if he can't play. Nevertheless, what's the view like from the top of the table? You're two points clear at the top of the table now, not, not just on, on differential. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, it's nice to go in you know, this close to the season, obviously playing good footy and find ourselves on top. We've been pretty consistent through the year, I guess. But um, you know, saying that, you look, at, you look at the eight teams, you know, even ten teams that are fighting out still, um, you know, there's a lot of dangerous, dangerous teams there, so you know, everyone's, uh, no one really remembers who, who wins the minor premiership. So we, um, we, while, while it's good and, and we'll play our best to win that, um, you know, the real goal's in uh, October. What about your role at the moment? How are you enjoying that? It may be not what you would have expected 12 months ago even. No, not really. You know, I didn't even think I'd be here, to be honest, 12 months ago. So, um, you know, it's, it's pleasing. I'm enjoying my role and, and the boys are playing good footy and, um, you know, it's nice to be in a, in a winning team and a, and a team with a really good, happy vibe uh, around the club. So I'm enjoying every second of it and I think most of the boys in our team are. Can't let you get away with it. What, what did you think 12 months ago? Where did you think things were heading for you? Yeah, well, I... Um, I had a bit of interest from other clubs at the time. Um, I was still signed here for this year, but um, you know, I requested a release, and um, you know, Robbo came in and said no. Um, he wanted me to play here, and, and you know, he's put some faith in me, and I've played every game this year. So, um, you know, whilst I was a bit disappointed at the time, um, you know, he's definitely um, you know showing me some faith, and, and I'm really enjoying my footy here. Was it a near thing time-wise? Like, were you how close were you to actually? Getting the release and going somewhere else. Well, uh, I had basically, you know, I had the offer and, and the contracts all drawn up for, the, for this um, you know, other club. Um, Can't say audience. Oh no, it was the Titans. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was pretty close to signing the Titans um, in October last year. But um, yeah, Robbo came in and and uh, it was before I actually met him. I requested the release and, and he came and had to sit down with me. First time I've met him and said, "Sorry, mate, you're not going anywhere." So from then on, though, I, I knew he wanted me here and, and I was pretty pleased with that outcome. Thanks, Daniel. Once I was the youngest, now the middle branch hung from the family tree. Older than my firstborn brother, never made it quite to 43. Let it ring, let the bell ring out for you. May it sing of your beautiful truth Take your lead on the rising tide Travel slow Enjoy the ride Waiting on the ticking bomb that lies beneath their skin 
Nonetheless, we carry on like we were born for breathing poison in. So let it ring, let the bell ring out for you. May it sing of your beautiful truth. Take your leave on the rising tide. Travel slow. Enjoy the ride. Where you belong Beneath Blue to all skies Cut so deep In our bones You surround Those of us You love We are back, um, second stint with uh, Nick Tedeschi, and he's pointing to uh, a, a Cronulla game on the TV. Uh, There's Dean Trista, now now living in Orange County, I believe. Adam Dykes. Um, and we were going to do a segment, but I really think we should just call the game from the TV. <laughs> Probably be more interesting. We'll just turn the TV up and just hold the mic up to uh, whoever's calling this game. Probably uh, Warren Smith or... Probably Greg Smith. Could be Greg Smith. Greg <laughs> Okay, now uh, just as a um, an anchor, um, the late game on Saturday, you just uh, heard from uh, Daniel Mortimer. Interesting stuff about he could have gone to Gold Coast. Do you think he should have gone to Gold Coast? Uh, look, as, as a fan of Daniel Mortimer, I would have liked him to go to the Gold Coast so we could see a bit more of him. But uh, uh, look, he's probably at the right club at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Um, the late game on Saturday was Newcastle eighteen, Cronulla fourteen. Three games on Sunday: Manly twenty-seven, the Warriors fourteen. Um, uh, Brisbane 26, St George Illawarra 24, and uh, Penrith 36, uh, sorry, North Queensland 36, Penrith 4. Uh, injuries, uh, Justin Hodges, uh, Trent Merrin, uh, Josh Dugan, all in one game. 
Ah, look, that was that was a tragedy seeing Justin Hodges go down. He, yeah, for mine, he's the finest centre at this mount. And to go down with another Achilles injury and, and just accept it. And he goes, oh, I'll be out nine or ten months, but he'll be back. Yeah, I, I hope we see him back, mate. We see him back to his best. And, uh, I doubt we'll ever see him play for Queensland again. I think he'll probably retire from Origin footy, but uh, hopefully we'll see him back. But cause injuries from uh, teams in contention, I guess. You know, we've lost Merrim, we've lost Dugan, but the big ones, I guess, are Anthony Watmo. Uh, Manly, he'll be out for a month. Uh, they've lost a lot of aggression in their pack. Boyd Cordner, Bruce have a lot of depth in the back row. Where uh, Sonny Bill, Mitch Orbison, Frank Paul, they should be okay there. Uh, Sean Fence from the Raiders, actually reckon the fence injury could be could actually probably cost the Raiders a final spot. And Terry Campisi named this week, but has a serious eye injury apparently from the the, the, uh, the collision with Shillington. So. Uh, they'll struggle with that fence of Okay, so let's hit up the big issue about players breaking contracts. Uh, Anthony Milford is a big one, but also uh, we're now reading Blake Ferguson may want to come to Sydney to be with his un- uncle, Anthony Mundine, uncle. Um, sick father's one thing, hanging out with your uncle. I'm not sure if that's a good enough excuse to get out of a contract. Absolutely not good enough. Players are, uh, are taking advantage of this. I feel sorry for Anthony Milford. You've got a sick father, you want to be with him, and but a contract is a contract, and you should be upheld to that. And if it's that important, you go up there and you be with your father and you don't play football. Yeah. That's just the way it goes. You well, go I think I think the, a great way for Can- Canberra to deal with it is to offer him compassion to leave uh, and maybe offer him a portion of his pay or a full pay, but he can't play NRL. Um, and, and uh, you know, will he still be interested? Um, I'm sure the Raiders will try and get the family to move down and try to make that happen. I believe... Uh, um, Anthony's father has been in Canberra recently, and I suppose that from the Raiders' point of view, they'd be saying, "Well, come down and stay. You know, uh, uh, if you're well enough to travel, then please come and live down here. We'll help you do that." Um, but you know, I, I suppose to say to call it to say that they should call a bluff is to say it's a bluff. We let's probably give them the benefit of the doubt and, and not say it's a bluff. Yeah, yeah. Look, look. In, in this situation, I want to give Anthony the benefit of the doubt. I don't. I certainly. There's no history there. This isn't. Yeah. I certainly won't be giving Blake Ferguson the benefit of the doubt, considering the history that's gone on, on with him. But in this situation, you, you've got to give Anthony the benefit of the doubt. But like you say, try and get the father out. I believe they've tried to do that. I believe he's not well enough to travel. But yeah, let him on training two or three days a week. Say, yeah, come down, play for a month, have a couple of weeks off, go back up and be there. That's what it's good. They've got to work together to see what they can do. Same with Ben Barber at Canterbury. Yeah? That's what's got to happen. You can't just let him go on break contract. Uh, as a Canterbury fan, I feel sorry about Ben Bala, that, that could go bad, but I feel particularly sorry for the Raiders who have lost Josh Dugan in bad circumstances, Todd Carney in bad circumstances. They might lose Blake Ferguson and Anthony Milford. They might lose their foremost naturally talented players for the last six or seven years for various reasons. And no one is going to the Raiders voluntarily. They're, 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 they've got to get these players young, and if they can't keep them, that's a club in a lot of trouble. I feel very sorry for them. Yeah, I, I do too, and as I said, I think. You know, you look at Gordon Tallis, you know, he sat out a whole season because he uh, he, he didn't want to play at St George, sat out a whole season to join Brisbane, and um, basically I'd like to see more players doing that. I mean, I know it sounds cruel, but if they really want to leave, uh, they've got a contract, and uh, they've got to um, buy their way out, uh, you know, not just leave like Sonny Bill and then offer some money, but actually negotiate and pay your way to get out, maybe play for nothing for a year, like that's what... A lot of people, uh, you know, out there in business do. If they've got a contract, uh, 
they don't work for a year, or they, they you know, they go into a different industry for a year, and uh, that's that's the way it works in the real world. Now, one other um, thing I think has been massive this week was uh, the NRL merging with Touch Football Australia. Rugby league has gone from about two hundred thousand players to one point one million in one afternoon. Um, it's hard to see some negatives in this, but people are finding negatives. Oh, the the commission have turned rugby league into touch football, and now it literally is, and all these all this other stuff. I just can't see any negatives at all. Um, people say it's just window dressing and a style over substance. Well, it just depends on what your view of substance is. To me, substance is making uh, your participant participants uh, 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 rate so high that you get more government funding, more sponsors. Um, it's economies of scale. I mean, Touch Football Australia has uh, offices, uh, they have staff, they have property, they have infrastructure, which are now belong to Rugby League. Um, I just can't see any, any negatives. Oh, I think it was a wonderful, wonderful move for the game, for, for both games, actually. You know. uh, rugby League certainly needs... You know, it, it's very hard for Rugby League to compete with an AFL or for a soccer and participation levels because uh, those sports are essentially non-contact sports uh, compared to Rugby League, and... It's very hard to build those numbers up. And this gives us an avenue to have that participation. And it's good for touch football. But hopefully it'll, uh, it'll see the game change a little bit, tweak a little bit, so that it isn't just a battle of fitness. It actually becomes rugby league or a touch version. That's what I'd like to see. It's uh, a lot more fun to play the, what you play in the schoolyard than, than it is sometimes when you just get fit teams just dumping, 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 run, 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 score, score, score. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's good for everyone. I think it's... Uh, Yep, the commission's been much more aligned over the last kind of eighteen months. They, the, the Smith administration has been much more aligned since David Gallant's born. But I think, yeah, on this one they can hold their head up high. They, they certainly can. It's interesting in England, uh, people saying, well, apparently the touch football uh, over there is very, very um, closely associated with the rugby union. But I was also reading a story in Forty Twenty magazine about how um, the the RFL of, are trying to push touch rugby league as a separate sport. Um, and they're actually um, say that amateur clubs can, you know, run run these uh, competitions um, indoors even and make money out of it. You know, a little bit of money by having membership and that sort of thing. So um, I'm not sure. I mean, it's. I imagine that my understanding of touch football is massive in Australia, quite big in New Zealand, and not so big elsewhere. Um, but I'd love to see the RLIF. Uh, approach whatever the international governing body is for touch football and try to actually for, uh, formalise this relationship internationally. Um, I know it's, there's probably a lot of uh, 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 red tape, but I think um, you know if, if, if that if touch football uh, it's so accessible if that became recognised as rugby league and that the ultimate level of that was NRL or Super League, I think um, the game would benefit. Well, both games will benefit enormously. Well, look at someone like a young Matt Moylan, who is, I believe, in the Australian touch, touch football team, wasn't given a chance, never, only got to go because of injuries, and he is, you know, become a superstar at Penrith, and has just signed a long-term deal, and, yeah, touch football won't help you tackle, won't help you, you, you develop the hardness of it all, but, yeah, it, it will help, you know, fine players with these tremendous skills. Sean Johnson played touch football for New Zealand at a young age before he became, uh, 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 yeah. One of the most fascinating, interesting players in the NRL at the moment. So, oh, I think it's yeah, it's a breeding ground, and, and hopefully, yeah, like everything with rugby league, there'll be a heap of red tape. We'll we'll battle. We'll take a lot longer than we should, but hopefully, yeah, it comes to the international game. And yeah, we do have a, a touch football World Cup. Yeah, we do have a, a stuff where yeah, yeah, France and Papua New Guinea, and we're getting all this kind of stuff. And yeah, maybe you play it before a, yeah, a rugby league game, whatever. But let's. This is a good thing for rugby. I think we're also beginning to see why there are 140 staff at the NRL too, which has been criticised. I mean, 
you know, it's my way of thinking if you've got an income of $1.025 billion from TV rights, you probably need more than 100 staff. Um, but, but I mean, to, to, to bed this down and to integrate two sports is a massive job. It's not, it's not going to be one person who's not going to do this. So if they've got a number of projects like this on the boil, you get, you're going to need a lot of staff. Oh, absolutely. Look, you are... Uh, the, the, the problem with... with, with there's no problem with the amount of staff. It's what they're doing, and I think that uh, you know, if you start doing stuff like formalising relationship with touch football, you know, uh, expanding what rugby league is doing, you know, sending, you know, uh, developing young competitions in, in Perth, Victoria, in, in our post rugby league, it's only going to be good for the game. I have heard a rumour, Nick, uh, which I will spread here, but. Um the Rugby League International Federation is finally going to have an office and some employees. Uh, apparently by the end of the year, with some World Cup monies and also the NRL uh, pitching in, um, that's going to happen. And uh, uh, that's uh, fantastic news. I would say, you talk about the NRL having too much staff. Uh, the fact that uh, the international governing body hasn't even had an address and so much as a computer until now, uh, it's long overdue. Where will those offices <laughs> be based out of? Are we going to be set up in France again? As we I'd say Geneva, work? definitely. Yeah. <laughs> if you get sent off in a test match, you've got to go before the judiciary in Geneva. <laughs> well, that'll, uh, the Geneva Convention will certainly hold there. <laughs> OK, um, it's been kind of... It had, overall, it's a long episode, but we've got other guests and stuff. So thanks for being with us, Nick. Um, don't forget to uh, follow us on Twitter, uh, the Twitter, um, at uh, WLF Podcast and the Internet. Uh, whitelinefever.ning.com and we are also on Facebook uh, which is White Line Fever Community but uh, um, you can be a member and get lots of mailings and crap uh, if you go to the Ning site so thanks uh, Nick and um, I was going to give you a song but then I couldn't figure out how I was going to squeeze in all the songs I want to play so you'll get a song next next episode um, <laughs> that's so, what you said last time Rascal. So, <laughs> that's what you said last time <laughs> okay okay you can have no, 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 no. definitely time, next, next definitely time. next time um, the, the, the next song I want to play uh, before we hear from uh, the grandson of John Dowling is um, it's by a band called The Winery Dogs and it's uh, uh, it's sort of a super group it's uh, Billy Sheehan uh, Richie Cotson and Mike Portnoy and this song I think because I only heard a bit of it but I liked it. It's called I'm No Angel. And then after uh, Jamie Dowling, we're going to hear from a young girl. She's 22. She's from Melbourne. And she's touring with Ted Nugent, which is an opening act. And um, her name is Laura Wilde. And uh, the song is called Soul My Soul, something like that anyway. But that caught my ear today. Uh, we want to encourage a young talent here on White Line Fever. Uh, 22 is less than half our ages. Well, it's exactly half my age. So, uh, anyway, thanks, Nick. Thank you very much, Steve.
Hello everybody, this is Ron Bumblefoot Fall. You might know me from Guns N' Roses or not. And you're listening, <laughs> you're listening to White Line Fever. So Monday night football in uh, Gold Coast in the eight. First win in, um, in Sydney against Canterbury ever. That goes way back to 88 with the Giants. And, um, but the reason I'm talking to this fellow, he played in the game, he's hurt. But it's uh, a very sad moment in my life as a football fan because... This is the first first grader whose grandfather I saw play, John Dowling. I've got Jamie Dowling here. Jamie, how's that uh, knee of yours? Yeah, mate, it's all good. Just a bit sore, but medial uh, strain. So, yeah, it should be good for next week. Now, am I the first person who said that you made me feel old because I saw your grandfather play? Have <laughs> a couple of people said that? Nah, there's been a few, mate. There's been a couple, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you probably, like, as I said, like, you're probably the first grand, you know, grandson of a player from the early 80s to play first grade, I'd imagine. Is he, he, what, how does he feel about your career? I suppose he feels old too, does he? Yeah, Pop does, but I know he's, he's very proud of me, and, um, yeah. What's it been like? Tell, tell us what it's like playing first grade. Is it how you expect it? Yeah, mate, it's tough. It's a tough week in, week out. And, um, yeah, you just got to keep getting up for each game and keep the team going. Yeah, it's good. And, mate, is it coming from a football family and a football background, does that make it easier for you or does it make it harder? Oh, mate, um, oh, a bit of both, both ways. Um, obviously, um, growing up, footy's been sort of everything with the family and sort of kept me going in the right direction with footy and... Sort of works a bit of pressure on me too sometimes, so no, it's been alright. Was he a big influence on you as a kid? Yeah, he definitely was. Pop uh, coached me through from under 11 through to under 16, so he was definitely a big influence in my rugby league, yeah. And, and at what age did you be sort of become aware that maybe people you didn't know knew him? <laughs> oh, mate, uh, yeah, it's probably at a young age, yeah, yeah, for sure. And so you'd be walking down the street with him and people would go, oh, that's John Down. Yeah, there's JD, oh, there's JD, and they'll yeah, have a chat with him and sort of stop us both along the way, yeah. Now, Matt, people have a go at Greg Inglis for sort of being raised in Northern East. I wasn't playing for Queensland, but your grandfather was a similar situation. He was yeah. from the Woolenbar and played for Queensland. Yeah, that's right, mate. Pop, born and bred down in Woolenbar. And, yeah, put on the Maroon jerseys. So a bit of a similar situation there. Yeah. So tell us where you stand. Yeah, I'm a, I think I qualify as a Queenslander too, but I was born and raised in Cogra, so I'm a bit of the same situation, yeah. First senior football after the age of... Well, what, 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 yeah. Tell me how you qualify for Queensland. Well, uh... Moved up to Queensland when I was 10 years old, so all my footy from, from then on has just been in the Queensland division, so yeah. Tell us about the game tonight, because when Josh Reynolds scored at the end, it looked like they were coming home to get you. Yeah, I was a bit nervous when Josh got over at the end. Um, it was a good effort by the boys. We kept completing, kept completing, and yeah, held them off the ball. It was a good, good win. Nice to meet you, Jamie, Thanks, and I, I hope I'm not around for great-grandkids great playing first grade. <laughs> Thanks very much, mate. <laughs>
I got a white line fever. Going to run land down under. Going to turn around the corner way down yonder. <laughs> and I'm not even going to try to rhyme anymore. <laughs> Michael Monroe here for White Line Fever and Dig Michael Monroe Sensory Overdrive, the album, the band. You get a chance, come and check us out live. We're going to rock your socks off and whatever, rock like fuck. That's what I say, okay? <laughs> Come on down and rock on.